Welcome. I'm the Parliament Raven. Welcome. Pull up a seat. Pour yourself a glass of tea. My name is Jason Rodriguez, and I'm the Parliament Raven. Today's episode is called Putting Revival to Rest. And uh, I think it's about time we put this idea of revival to rest. Uh, and what do, what do I mean by revival? Very interesting topic. Um, because the Christian church here, at least in America, keeps talking about this this magical wave of change that's going to be coming called revival. Uh, kind of also sounds like either a, a perfume or even a, a drink um, or, or a bottle of water. Revival. Right, and the reason I'm talking about it is because as recently some some Christians have come up and we've had uh, some discussions about uh, in the blogosphere and also in the podcastosphere uh, and about their falls and about their deconstructions of faith and about becoming ex-evangelicals and what this all means and in the end that some of them might come back and might not and we wait on this thing called revival. And so much so that you can tell my disdain for the word um, as it has grown over the years. Uh, originally, I was, I was all for this, and then I began to realize it was a way to, to buckle down, sit in our seats, and just wait for something to happen, uh, as we expect for this uh, revival to come about. Um, so it's, it's such a buzzword. Uh, revival, and I was talking with with one of my producers <laughs> about this very topic, and she was uh, said, she put it this way: it's a, a lazy, inactive way to, uh, to wait expectantly for something to happen, uh, rather than being active in the kingdom. And uh, it just that I was I was awestruck by the whole concept because it seemed to ring right in my ears, and it might not ring right with you. You might be totally in for this whole revival thing where you get to sit down in the giant sky daddy in the sky who answers your prayers when you uh, rub the magic lamp of prayer uh, will also bring this magical wave of turning people into believers uh, rather than doing it through love and hard work and relationship um, and loving thy neighbor as yourself, right? Because Matthew 22, 34, 40, uh, this is going to be with the... Uh, the message version, I call it the MSG version because it has so much flavor. And uh, that's just a, a preliminary uh, knock on a, a future episode. But uh, this MSG translates it this well, paraphrases, not a translation. I should be honest with you. It's a paraphrase, so it's in somebody's words who knows the language rather than it being a straight-up literal translation. But 3740 uh, goes like this from the message. Uh, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion in prayer and intelligence. This is the most important and the first of any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs, and everything in the law and prophets hangs from them. Everything in God's law and prophets hangs from them. So, love your neighbor as yourself, 
and uh, if if there's revival coming and you're praying and and you're just taking care of yourself and you're not going out, well, I mean, don't worry. The big the big man in the sky is gonna totally just bring people through through prayer and and us meeting in in a room and not going out and and talking with them, right? You can see uh you can see how I'm disenchanted with the concept, and I. And I'm disenchanted with the concept because of all these people I see losing their faith. And maybe I should have called the episode "Losing, um, Losing One's Faith," "Losing My Faith." And I haven't really lost my faith, but I have been through deconstruction um, a long time ago. And I didn't call it deconstruction, but I like the term. I can understand it as a as a kid who grew up on Legos and constructs and and building up and tearing things down and, and edifying me means such a great thing to me. Deconstructing something makes sense, right? We have this uh, belief in our life, and we start to notice that it's faulty, and, and like a faulty deck in the backyard that your foot's starting to go through, you step back and you take it apart so you can rebuild it together, and you feel it, find the foundations. There's not, they're not in stone, and they're rotting in the dirt. And so you have to replant foundational stuff so you can rebuild this this deck, <laughs> this belief. Um, uh, and sometimes not, right? Sometimes people don't go come back from deconstructing things in their soul, and sometimes they go to being healthy after deconstructing. But um, as a believer in Christ, deconstructing them out of your life doesn't seem to be something that I could do or... Um, or even imagine do the fact of, of the real life experiences I have with him um, and the amazing, uh, miraculous things uh, that I've seen, right? Because, uh, you know, seeing is believing. <laughs> but uh, and, and the Lord doesn't expect you not to. Uh, he says, test me in these things. And, and he also says, taste and see, uh, you know, that I am good and he never, never wants us to be blind. Our faith should never be blind. Faith is not something uh, that is ever meant to be. It's something to be rooted in the ground like a tree uh, with, with nutrients and, and water that comes from seeing that the Lord and tasting that the Lord is good, right? And being refreshed, right? Because he, he refreshes the spirit. And I like using these metaphorical words because they're used in, in Jewish teaching, and that's the foundation of, of my Christian faith. It's, it's in Jewish culture, and it's in the whole concept of when rabbis used to teach and the taste and see. They used to put honey on kids' lips, and, and so we have, <laughs> we have worship song that talks honey on, about honey on our lips. But deconstructing, uh, you know, there was, I'm going to be honest, an, an honest raven here, and and talk about the time where I was just graduating from high school, and I felt abandoned and betrayed uh, by by church members, by by a college group of, of young men and women who had grown up with in high school group, but just kind of been left aside and and kind of abandoned uh, due to to wanting sport wins and and uh, you know hanging out um, and and you know not getting invites when I should be getting invites, and it just you know I it just was so upset that I walked away from the church and I told God, I literally prayed and I said, Lord, if these are your people, you can have them. 
I don't want them. And if you support them, well, I don't want you right now either. And I ended up in college and with a uh, massive black-clad Gothic people who accepted me and loved me for where I was and didn't care about my religious beliefs and, and, and just cared for me. Uh, you know, um, uh, times I was dealing with, at, at those times, you know, it was life was hard and uh, arguing with my, my mom, who was a single mother, uh, who had to deal with uh, a, a, my two siblings and their problems and my problems and her own problems and a disease that slowly ravaged, was slowly starting to ravage her body that, that would later on take her life. And, you know, I had reached the end of my rope plenty of times and uh, I can remember sitting uh, with my gothic friend Sean Newlam in, in a place called Claremont, California, um, him uh, <laughs> with a bottle of, of Merlot or some other wine and offering me, and I, I just... Mm, I couldn't. I just couldn't see myself drinking, but talking with me and uh, smoking some cigarettes, and him telling him I want to take my life, and and him explaining that he cared about me, and it was the most selfish thing I could have ever thought. And I was deconstructing my faith, and I was deconstructing my life, and I hated everything except these people who unconditionally loved me for being broken, where I was, and church didn't offer that. Right, and and as I came to grips, as I, hey, don't get me wrong, my my youth pastors later on found out that I was hanging out with these Gothic people, and sent sent someone to so that he could meet with me. He, he didn't call me. I guess he lost my number. Didn't have my number. And we had a meeting, and and he convinced me to to go back to church and and be a youth youth uh, leader um, for young people. Uh, despite me being <laughs> battered and broken and wearing black all the time, um, which he didn't care, except for the one time I wore a, a vampire shirt to church and he sent me home to change it. But, and that's a completely different story. We'll come to that. Definitely, we'll revisit that in the podcast. Uh, Dave McDaniel, if you're listening to this, I, I, I love you. Uh, but I, I, I had fully deconstructed, right? And And right now... The, the concept of, of people deconstructing is, is huge because we have major uh, ex-evangelicals or ex-evangelicals. I mean, it sounds like a comic book name to me. They are, they're announcing that they are leaving the faith and don't believe in God anymore. And, you know, one of the most famous is Joshua Harris. He appears in a, in, in a podcast right now. Um, the Rise and Fall of Marcel, very good uh, episode where he talks about um, I kissed <laughs> I kissed Jesus goodbye or I kissed Faith goodbye. I don't remember the title specifically, but it, it talks about why he walked away from the faith. And you come to find out that everything he believed, everything he thought he believed about himself and and about the church and about his faith, had something that he found wrong with it. And it, and it, and it. It wasn't like he didn't know the Bible, but he, the brand that he knew, the theology he knew, the thing that had been spun to him with, without foundation, without a theological teaching, started to crumble. And he found that it, things were not built on um, what he thought they were built. And so he stepped back and started deconstructing everything in his life from being a pastor of a mega church, from being a well-known speaker to going to seminary, from doing seminary, and creating a documentary, which can't be seen now because he's declared that he's not Christian, uh, just unraveling everything. 
And there he sits, uh, his marriage unraveled, his life unraveled, um, and he's deconstructing so that he can reconstruct. And he said that faith is a possibility, right? And he's not the first person I know to do this. I have friends, I don't even know if they're friends anymore because I believe the faith and uh, and they don't. I, I, I have a friend and his wife and they, they're now starch atheists, and one of them had trouble uh, finding questions, and the other one had a terrible time in the church, and, and I get it, and I get, you know, if God's people are, are horrendous, why would I want to be believe what, what they believe, and why would I want to follow a, a God who would fully embrace what they're doing, and I get it, right, and, and I hope you get it too, I hope you're pacing with me. Because to, I'll be honest with you, I've re-recorded this episode multiple times just to try to, to get it to be right. Right? I have friends now that are atheists, right? I have friends now who are agnostic. Yeah, there's something bigger out there than, than me, but this God that, that allows this or, you know, that allows his people to spew hatred and it disgusts me. Right? And we sit here and we look at each other and you're wondering, what the heck are you talking about, Raven? Right, adjust your vest. <laughs> Take a look at me. And even one of my own children, I'll go as far as to let you know that. Right, letting you inside into a little personal tidbit into the Parliament Raven. And and as a parent, it it just praying on my knees that my son will find a connection with the Creator of the universe. The, who's revealed himself to us and continues to reveal himself to us. But where's the grace and, and compassion and the love? And I think it's lost when the concept of revival is being spewed forth continually from the pulpit. This magical wave of life-changing aura. Revival will break out. As my friend told me, Joshua Karras will come back, revival will break out. And I just stunned me for, for more than a day, for a few days. Because I know that, uh, that I said, well, revival's coming. But what did I mean? And as a church historian, we have awakening and revivals. And, and the last great awakening... Uh, brought slavery back full force into America as it was slowly disappearing because the the speakers for that were Calvinist and they said, hey, you know, they were born slaves and they're, that's their lot in life, right? That's what God predestined for them. Hogwash, right? Predestination. Listen to my timeline uh, podcast and we talk about changeable futures. But still... So what, what's the second buzzword to change all that? Well, I, I can offer reformation. Um, but reformation only goes as far as the theology in which it's placed. Right? So if we're talking about Baptists, um, we could talk about denominations. Reformation brought denominations. It split the church in two. Instead of fixing itself, you know, people totally went off the deep end. And now we have... Then uh, Roman Catholic, we have Eastern Orthodox, we have Baptist, we have Evangelicals, 
We have charismatics, and the list goes on and on in the mess. And though I know our God in heaven likes variety, take a look at the platypus, for instance, and uh, too many. Not enough unity, too many people singing their own song. And the unity is that in the good news that there's a God who loves us, who desires us, who has identity for us. And in that identity, we can learn to, to love who we are with all our broken bits so that we might love others. And it's frustrating and it's aggravating hearing buzzwords like revival and reformation. And don't get me wrong, I am a man, bird, <laughs> raven, however you want to view me, of reformation. Because I think reforming one's heart and mind is at the center of repentance and the walk we have every day of our lives as believers. And don't get me wrong, if you're listening and you're not a believer and you're just somebody who either knows me or somebody who's recommended to this, let you know that you still have identity. I still believe that there's a God in the universe that loves you and that's hunting you and, and looking for you like a lover. And that, and I know that I'm, I'm really attacking this whole concept and, and deconstructing, I'll deconstruct this concept here, right, of revival. Because I think that there's so much more that we can give when we know that we have to be an active participant of the kingdom, of love, of charity, of tzedakah, as it is said in Hebrew. Faithfulness, justice, mercy, right? Charity, tzedakah, right? We want to be a people of tzedek and tzedakah. And just, it, it blows me away as we look at people where our inability as believers, especially the fallen, to look at what has happened to the person who has fallen. And, and to, I've been around Major Falls folks. I'm not, I, I know the effect from Ted Haggard to um, Richard Roberts, uh, you know, uh, Mark Driscoll, um, I, though I wasn't a part of it, uh, the aftermath, um, you know, Jonathan Welton, I, I, the list goes on and on. And, and I look at how the, the people are, are, are treated, and I look about how we bring in restoration and, and the lack of it, because we're, we're really not good at it. Because we're not looking to restore ourselves, we're looking to become new creations and, and in those new creations, be okay with the broken bits rather than uh, look at the broken bits and try to get those fixed as we are new as we are becoming new creations, right? We expect you to immediately, once you get Jesus, to be miraculously something new. Miraculously um, different in every way, and people fall through the cracks. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying sin is acceptable, but we're all sinners, all of us, every last one, and there's no hierarchy of sin, despite what anybody would like you to believe, right? And, and 
there's so much judging going on of believers because you know we're supposed to hold we're supposed to look at one another's fruit and hold each other accountable well but if you don't know the person and you don't know what they're going through who are you to say who am i to say right and in this revival thing eh. and i originally was going to talk about i'll be honest I was going to talk about jesus manifesto and things like that but as i look at the names I have written down that I'm not going to mention of people who've become agnostic in my life and people who've become atheists and ex-evangelicals and people who have fallen and people who are, have just walked out of the kingdom. I, I have to question, uh, as a body, as a people, um, are we doing it right? Uh, are we loving right are we loving well? Are we loving others as we love ourselves? And, and that's what you have to ask yourself because ultimately I know that I can squawk all day. This raven can squawk, of course. And I can go before people and speak and, and tell them, you need to do better, right? But if it doesn't start with me, if, it's, if I can't feel, be more grace-filled and, and more love-filled and find compassion, for these fallen, these people who have fallen, right? Even if they've fallen away, right? Where are we as a kingdom? Why would anybody want to step into the bounds of the, a realm that's not really filled with love and, and acceptance? And, and I want to use acceptance sparingly in the sense that, yes, I accept you and your sin, but I don't want you to stay there. And that's every sin from from lying uh, through homosexuality. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I keep saying don't get me wrong. But hear this. I, I, I have just as many homosexual friends as I have Christians. I have just as many atheist friends as I have Christians. Um, and they know where I stand. They know that no matter what, where they're at, I'm going to love them like, like family. If you're a friend, you're family. And if you're an acquaintance, well, you're an acquaintance. I don't know you enough to love, to love you that close. But you'll always receive charity, humility, and mercy from me. Right? Because I don't know you, and I don't know your story. Though I love to hear stories. So, what's ultimately this, this whole thing about? How do we nutshell uh, this concept of ex-evangelicals, deconstruction, um, the question of faith and identity and, and dark nights of the soul, of people falling away and becoming agnostic or atheist. Well, we come to the point where we have to love like the king and be like the king and be okay um, with letting the Holy Spirit handle it. And if not, then you need to to get on your knees and, and and open up dialogue with the King of Heaven and see what He has to say to you. Um, and that's where I stand on this. And I think that uh, we all need to find a place. But ultimately, I'm gonna bury revival over here in a in a small uh, garden plot grave and um, look to reforming my heart and using and, and being a parliament raven 
um, to get my squawks out and hopefully uh, see change that way. And find your find your voice, right? And find your theology. Do, do the readings. Don't just rely on what you hear me or anyone else says. Go to the Word. Get a book. Grab a concordance. Use that logic that, that inherently is given to us um, as we are knitted in our mother's womb, right? And be okay uh, with sometimes not figuring out the answers and keep going after them, right? Because sometimes we don't get good answers. We have great questions, but we have to seek those good answers. And the better the question, the better the answer is going to be when we get to that end. So thanks for sitting with me, having some tea, hearing me squawk today, because it's much more of a squawk than, than a discussion. And I hope that you'll tune in again. Have a great evening, afternoon, or day. Cool music by Ross Budgen at the beginning and Bend Sound at the end.